welcome to Ananda Village. For all of those who are here for the first time, especially welcome, make yourself at home. Ask questions if you need information. Those of you in the Karma Yoga program and guest programs at Expanding Light, thank you for coming. And the Seva Yogis from the Meditation Retreat, I am happy in the happiness of all. Uh, my name is Nayaswami Ananta. This is Nayaswami Maria. I would like to read from Rays of the One Light. Um, um, parallel passages from the Bible and the Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. The mystery of avatara or divine incarnation. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The Bhagavad Gita in the fourth chapter states, as we saw last week, O Bharata, whenever virtue declines and vice predominates, I incarnate on earth. Taking visible form, I come to destroy evil and reestablish virtue. What is the mystery of this divine manifestation? Great avatars, such as Krishna and Jesus Christ, are born as babies, even as we all are. They take human form and go through normal human experiences as they grow from childhood to adulthood. They eat, they play. They may seem to suffer sickness and disappointment like the rest of us. In what way are they different from other human beings? The important thing to understand is that even as they are like us, so are we also like them. Their realization can be ours, too. They come on earth to show us our divine potential. The difference lies not in the manner of their manifestation on earth, but in the consciousness with which they are born. All things are condensations, so to speak, of the cosmic vibration, Om, described by St. John's Gospel as the Word. Most human beings, however, are unconscious of their divine origin. The avatars, on the other hand, come consciously as manifestations of that divine reality. As the Gospel says in the first chapter, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh, I'd like to begin with a reading from <clears throat> Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. And I'd like you to close your eyes <clears throat> and feel that these are your words. This is entitled, Salutations to the Great Preceptor. It's from the Sanskrit scriptures. Bearing the bliss of Brahma, happiness supreme, 
wearing the image of wisdom beyond the dispute of any qualities, free as the limitless sky, knower of all there is to be known, thou perennial, taintless one, witness of all happenings, beyond all conceptions, boundaries, uncolored by good, bad, and active qualities, my ever-awake preceptor, I bow to thee. We are blessed to have in our vocabulary the word avatar, truly. We are blessed. We may not understand it, but we are blessed that we have that word, that we have a teaching that supports that, that attempts to describe it to us. And we are blessed that we have in this world this line of avatars, whether people know it or not, that is, that are holding in their consciousness this planet and each one of us. In Autobiography of a Yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda, Sri Yukteswar Yogananda's guru, he says, the spiritual state of Babaji, referring to Mahavatar Babaji. The spiritual state of Babaji is beyond human conception. We cannot conceive of that state. And he goes on to say, in vain, one attempts to even picture the avatar's attainment. So how are we going to figure this out? You know, Sri Yukteswar talking to Yogananda, beyond human comprehension. What are we going to do? What am I going to say? <laughs> so, but uh, Yogananda, he tells us that the avatar comes with a world mission. The avatar is responsible for helping the natural course of evolution, outwardly, inwardly, to move forward. They have a specific mission for which they are responsible. Whether all humankind is aware of this or not, that's not the issue. That is their role. In India, Hinduism says that the avatara is the descent from the divine into human flesh, takes physical incarnation. And so all of our masters who happen to be avatars have come into this form, living in a human body, so that we get it. You know, they're not something that looks different. They're not something that really behaves differently. I mean, certainly of an exalted consciousness, 
but they're living and doing many of the things that we do and are asked to do in a given life. Yogananda could have materialized in America when it was time and just forgotten that whole boat trip, <laughs> that long, arduous journey up and down on the seas. But he didn't materialize. He came to America in a boat. He did it the way it was done at the time. And he did everything, uh, by and large, in the way it was done at the time, <laughs> from a very different consciousness. But, uh, but we could recognize him as being human, at least to a degree. And, and he allowed us to relate to that humanity. He let us see that humanity. He let us see a relative personality so that we could see ourselves, how to behave, how to live, what to do. And all of these great avatars, they play out that human drama so that we can see and so that we can emulate that example. We can meditate on it. We can try to feel it. We can try to become it. And as it says in the Festival of Light, many times has that light descended. Many times, through all paths, all teachings, all places on the planet, all time, many times has that light descended, drawn to earth by the call of aspiring love. So this is something that each of us has drawn, that each of us has called to and yearned for and deeply desired. And that call has been magnetic. That call has borne fruit. And then the avatar goes. Now this is very interesting. The avatar exits this plane. The avatar isn't always incarnate in a human body on this plane. What do we do? What do we do? Was everything fixed? <laughs> Was everything made right? Are all people now thinking of God? Are all people thinking of trying to live a spiritual life? No. And they left. Why did they leave? Why have they left us here by ourselves without that human example. Because the other part of that is that we learn to realize that consciousness within ourself. It resides there. Swami Kriyananda, in the reading, he said, most people are unconscious of their divine origin. Most people don't have a clue. They don't think about it. They don't wonder about it. They don't strive to tune into it. The avatar is not here at this moment in the body. Maybe there is one somewhere. I'm probably, I wouldn't claim to know. But they come, they do come, and they do go. And it's so that we embrace the other part of that reality, which is knowing 
the divine inside, knowing the divine within. And so what is the legacy of the avatar? What remains? It's not a perfect society <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> You know, it's not that everyone remembers God. It's not that all of the problems in the world, ecologically, politically, environmentally, have been fixed. And everything's operating now perfectly and smoothly. So what is the legacy? Did we miss it? The legacy is each one of us. Each one of us. The divine, the avatar, has planted that seed in our hearts, in our souls. And that's the legacy. That's what we need to strive to get in tune with in this life. It's what this incarnation is about. And those of us who are familiar with the word avatar, that is in our vocabulary, it's important that we meditate on it, that as incomprehensible as it might be, that we try to get a little bit of a feeling for what that consciousness might be, to meditate on the guru and try to feel what that consciousness is and recognize that vibration that keeps us on fire for God, and to nurture that and build on that. It's a delightful story that was told by Hare Krishna Ghosh, Yogananda's nephew. He's no longer in a physical body. Very fun to listen to him, just his mannerisms and personality and his devotion to the guru. And he told this story of one day being with a group of people and his guru master was sitting at his side. Hare Krishna Ghosh was about 16 and this was the first time that he saw his guru in the body. Yogananda blessed him when he was in the womb of his mother, but now Yogananda had returned to India to see his guru, his guru, Yukteswar, one last time before he left his body. And so he spent a lot of time with his favorite nephew, Hare Krishna Ghosh. And they were seated there in this gathering, and food had been served, and they each had a plate. And Hare Krishna looked at the plate, sized it up, 16 years old. So he's got a favorite there. <laughs> And he puts it off to the side. He's saving it for last. It's the dessert, some little Indian sweetmeat. And he's busy talking to his friends. And they're all talking and talking. And at a certain point, he looks back at his plate. And it's not there. <laughs> the sweet isn't there. And this is, <laughs> this is got him ruffled. <laughs> Where did it go? You know, and he looks at his friend's plates, you know, and he doesn't see anything. And, you know, he's, I guess there's some relative unattachment there. He goes on talking, but he's aware that something has happened here. 
And he all of a sudden looks back, and the dessert is back there. <laughs> and he turns to his left, and he looks at Yogananda, and Yogananda smiles. And he says, Hare Krishna, you're talking too much. <laughs> Talk to me. He says, Talk to me. I just love that story because there is the human embodiment of this great avatar. And he's saying in simple language that we can understand, talk to me, talk to me. He's inviting Hare Krishna, he's inviting us to plumb the depths of this expanded reality and to pay attention to it and to meditate upon it and to try, to try to tune in just a little bit to what that expanded state of reality is. A friend of mine shared with me recently of a talk that Swami Kriyananda gave. And it was a, Swamiji went on for about an hour, an hour and a half. It was a long talk. It was a very full talk. And at the close of it, he sat down and they unmiked him and, you know, things were moving on to the next part of whatever the program or the day was. And then Swamiji said, I want to say one more thing. <laughs> and so back comes the little mic piece and the, you know, everything. And Swamiji simply just stands up and he said, take this path seriously. And then there was just this silence. You know, he's speaking to a large crowd, by and large, all devotees. And then he just got very quiet, and then he said, I mean it. Take this path seriously. And I so appreciated hearing that, just the simplicity and the direct admonition, because ours is a very full path. Ours is a very full life. And we do a lot, we serve a lot, and we all try really hard. But it's quite something when our teacher and when our gurus say to us, take this seriously. Take this incarnation of avatar seriously. Because this is an unparalleled blessing on the spiritual path. And the world has many avatars. We have all of these avatars. Can we even comprehend the grace that is flowing through this ray that is there to help us try to meditate, to try to go deep in this path? I wanted to read uh, were some words from Yogananda from Autobiography of a Yogi. I thought of so many stories I could share about the avatar and just miraculous adventures with avatars and through avatars. And then I was thinking about this and what seemed to me like the greatest miracle of all is described in these words by Master. The Mahavatar is in constant 
communion with Christ. Together they send out vibrations of redemption and have planned the spiritual technique of salvation for this age. The work of these two fully illumined masters, one with the body and one without it, is to inspire the nations to forsake suicidal wars, race hatreds, religious sectarianism, and the boomerang evils of materialism. Babaji is well aware of the trend of modern times, especially of the influence and complexities of Western civilization and realizes the necessity of spreading the self-liberations of yoga equally in the West and in the East. To me, that's the greatest miracle, that right now, Babaji and Christ have all of us and all of the world and all of creation in their heart. It's beyond human comprehension. And so ours is to try to live in that higher reality, to live listening to that higher guidance, asking for that higher guidance, those higher truths, to become aware, uh, to become aware of them in our consciousness, to be a channel for them in our life. The avatar, as I said earlier, has a world mission. And we can think of that in terms of just all of the things we do in a day, all of the things that we live in a life. So many, many incarnations wrapped up into the one. We have a big project in this life, each one of us, to see it until the end, to see it through, to stay on track, to stay in that consciousness. That's the role of Mahavatar, too, because Babaji is there. His mission is to keep all of those other missions going and operating and channeling divine grace. But think of yourself as the Mahavatar. Think of yourself as the great avatar. And everything that you are doing in life, everything that you are thinking, everything that you are feeling, everything that you are experiencing is because of God and of God and in God. And in this way, there is no distinction. It's not that God is here or God is there or God is this or God is that. God is. God is, and we are, and we are one in him. Thank you.